Welcome to Inspiring Hope, where you are encouraged to have only positive expectations through self-care. You're going to be listening to a segment of our Self-Care Saturday show with Lynn Michelle Miller, who is an author of Kids Have a Purpose. She's a wife, a mother, and a grandma of one. I think she calls herself a nana, you guys. Anyway, she's been in ministry for over 40 years. She was my youth director when I was in the sixth grade coming on up. And then after that, she was director of ministry. So she has so much wisdom and so many things and nuggets that you guys can take from this. She has so many ingenious ideas of how to incorporate families and communication and restoration, which is something we definitely need these days. So check it out. Let's get started. Let's go. Anyway, I wanted her to come on here and really talk to us about family restoration and how to get them all with our together. And a lot of parents not being used to that. It is not always the funnest thing or the easiest thing, but I do believe that God is a repairer of the breach. And so, Lynn, before we get into that, I want you to tell us a little bit about what you're doing now because you worked in the church for forever, like 40 years at least, right? Yes. So tell us a little bit about your transition and like, how did the COVID help with that or did it help with that or what? Um, Actually, my transition started in 2018. I I, I was just told by God that it's time to do something else, basically. Isn't isn't he funny how he does that? And uh, so I said, okay. And so he, he basically said, um, I started in ministry May 11th, 1979. And uh, he said, well, um, it, it's time for you to, you know, look into retiring and doing something different. And I, I was like, okay, I'll start looking at that. And then my husband said, you do know that uh, 2019 is your 40th year. And I was like, no, it's not. And he said, yes, it is. And, you know, we went back and forth. And so um, right instantly, the Lord said, you need to end it on May 11th, 2019. So that's when I, I retired. And since I've retired, um, I've just been trying to hear from God what exactly does he want me to do. And he's given me things in bits and pieces. So I want you guys to know that once you go on an adventure with God, uh, he's really a great guide, but he only guides in bits and pieces, you know, so our faith will grow. And um, that's how he's delivering it to me. So right now I'm available to do ministry anywhere, anytime, uh, with anybody. And I did not have that luxury before because I was tied to the church. Uh, I had to uh, abide by those rigorous schedules. Uh, Sometimes, some days I was working um, an 80-hour week, uh, depending on what was going on at the church. And so, I don't have to do that no more! (laughs) Hallelujah! (laughs) That by itself is just good. So, I is free! And... um, I'm kind of ecumenical. I'm floating between various denominations so freely. I attend the Nazarene Theological Seminary. 
I uh, attend a Methodist church. Uh, I am historically Baptist with a hint of Pentecostal. So I call myself a Baptocostal Nazareth. All right. Well, I also understand that you're working on a degree there at your uh, at the university. Is that right? Yes, at the seminary. I'm I'm working on my doctorate of ministry in leadership and innovation, cultural change. Well, kudos to you. I love that we're always ever. I always say we're ever growing and ever learning. And when we say in that that vein of things, then, you know, we can hear from the Lord even beforehand and be prepared. I know a lot of people were kind of prepared and not even really knowing that they were prepared, you know, like come out of the, the workplace, come out of the four walls and literally, you know, get to the point where, because we always talk that talk in church, oh, we got to go beyond the four walls, but we don't actually do it. So now it's time to line up the tongue in your mouth with the tongue in your shoes and do what he called you to do. Okay. What did you say, Lynn? No, I'm writing that down. <laughs> I'll put it in the chat box. <laughs> and we did have a comment from Laura. She's, oh, and also from Camille Saints. Camille says, wow, congrats. And Laura uh, with Pampered Chef, she said, just enough light for the step that we're on. So she's in agreement with you. I'm in agreement with that too. Just enough so we don't try to make other things happen because we're pretty good at doing that. But Leah, yeah, also you won't fall either, you know. Yeah. So he's not going to trip you up. That's the guy. Well, Leah, all the time that I have known you, you've always worked with youth. I remember you, uh, we, we had uh, sleepovers at your house and we, we had an actual, what, uh, what do I call it? When we go out and, uh, and camp, we, uh, we had a real actual camp where we could like jump off in the lake, a real lake and just have some good old fashioned out in the woods fun and be down to earth. And, and I know now it's like totally different. So tell us a little bit about the differences that you've noticed in all the years and all the families that you work. Cause you see many family development change from one place to the next place to where we are now. In the 40 years I've gone from working where uh, everyone that was a member of the church lived in the community um, of the church that I attended to everyone, uh, a large percentage of the membership uh, don't live in the community. They live in other other um, communities, suburbs. Uh, the church that I uh, work for is Palestine Missionary Baptist Church, which was located real close to uh, like a half mile from Veterans Hospital. If you know where Veterans Hospital is in the in the city uh, on the east side. And uh, initially, when I first started working there, everyone. Uh, you could say 90, 85 to 90% of the membership lived near the church or in that community or within um, a three to five mile radius, you know. But by, the, by now, by the time I, I retired in 2019, last year, the, it, it flipped and the majority of the members do not live in the community for various reasons that we know, you know, uh, one of the biggest issues in the greater Kansas City area was the uh, 
at, at that time from 79 until now was the uh, problems with the school district and people wanting to live in uh, areas where the schools were accredited. Uh, you had that. And then you also have the, the problem with crime in that high crime rate. Um, and, and also the problem about uh, accessibility uh, jobs. Uh, there aren't that many jobs in the, in the uh, urban uh, area. And so you had this great transition of, of people um, moving to where things were more accessible for them. Uh, and with that came a different perspective on how to minister to families because now families are spending 15, uh, a minimum of 15 minutes driving in to the church twice, maybe even three times a week for ministry. So what do you do about that? And as we are going through the COVID, uh, house lockdown, stay at home, we can uh, realize the value of technology and how it's helped in that capacity. But I, 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 I had uh, visions of things like this going on uh, in the church years ago, but people were um, real shy about how to incorporate uh, incorporate technology into ministry. So uh, that's one big change. Another change is when I first started doing ministry, um, uh, it, the, 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 the women in leadership in the household was becoming a, a norm. Where there, uh, where there were um, fewer fathers in the household. Uh, fewer male um, responsibilities in the household. So uh, that was becoming very prevalent at that time. Uh, so that was also a challenge. Another challenge I never will forget talking to Doc Bass. I don't know if any of you guys know Doc Bass. Any, uh, Doc Bass was an educator and part of Kansas City, Missouri School District back in the 70s, late 70s early 80s, and Doc Bass did a lock-in. I don't know if he was there, uh, that he covered that people were becoming it's kind of um, echoing a little bit. So just a second. I apologize, everybody. I'm not sure why it's echoing, but I just want to make sure I adjust things here. Okay, so let's try it. So you, you might get there. Um, just talk a little slower. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's try it. Okay. I was talking about Doc Bass, and Doc Bass made a statement that in the in the culture at that time in the challenging authority and he told he told the teenagers that the lock in that and uh, that never left me and as years uh, I worked with no uh, 
Another problem that I've noticed over the years is um, the lack of trust in uh, between what you call the, the church institutions, um, or not the church institutions, but social institutions. Uh, the church used to be an institution where people could trust, and uh, that's not always true. Schools used to be an institution that aren't living up to their credibility. And so all of these, all of these uh, dynamics have Okay. Then people are having a little bit of hard time of hearing you. Do you have any um, ear, earplugs you can put in? And then also oh, yeah. I want to um, address this. I want to address the, um, do you, what are some problems that you help people with the most? Because I think especially with COVID going on, we have a lot of families in the home where, um, you know, kids are home all day, all night, 24 seven, pretty much. And, you know, teens and older adults are coming back home. What, so what are some of the, 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 the things that you do to help families, you know, engage a little bit better with one another? You know, because I think a lot of this is exposing. Okay, I got to slow down. She can't hear me. Yeah, I can. Okay, I was going to say, I think a lot of this is kind of exposing, like, how we really feel about our, our kids and other people, you know, in our that are close to us. But we know that God is a repair of the breach, and he really does want us to have those uh, relationships where love abounds between us. You know, not that we just say we love you, and it's easy to love you from afar. Yeah, that's easy, but... You know, Christ didn't do the easy thing. He did the hardest thing. You know, God gave his only son and let him die for us. And so what, what are some things I want you to just tell us a little bit, like what, what do you help people with the most to get families, you know, to stay together and to communicate better? Well, every, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Is it better? Yes. Okay, great. Um, I, I work on it with every family individually because every family is different. So there's not like one major um, thing uh, or uh, thing that goes for every family. I guess that it is in some capacity. I, I think there are, if I just have to say um, uh, a few things about something that makes it a lot easier and, and there are five things. Number one is trust. You have to build trust between you and your children. Uh, trust is all your kids have because they don't they don't have any experience, you know. So if they don't trust you or you've done something or something has happened in the 
family dynamics where trust has been depleted, then uh, there's you you got to build that back up because your kids have to trust you uh, in order to believe in you. Second, you have to be consistent. You got to say what you mean and mean what you say. Let your yeses be yes and let your noes be no. And don't be vacillating because, you know, which means that you already have to have in plan some things that you communicated with your kids uh, in your home that are like family mantras, you know. Um, I, I, um, I was talking to Tracy yesterday about some stuff that I did to my daughter. I don't know how many of y'all know my daughter, uh, but I have a daughter. She's 30 something. And um, I have a three-year-old grandbaby. But when, when my daughter was a teenager uh, and uh, we got her a car so that she could drive, I found online a contract and I had her, um, we talked about the contract, what would be in the contract. Uh, it included, um, you know, um, what time she could go out, when she could go out, uh, what days she could go out and hang with her friends, curfews, um, who could be in the car, um, uh, her accountability, if she did this, this happened, if she did that, that happened. Uh, we put that all in the contract. And I told her, uh, we talked about it. I gave it to her. I told her to look over the contract, um, make sure that she agreed with everything. And then she was to sign it. And so she glanced over the contract. She didn't read it. I said, okay, because she wanted to drive, right? She wanted the car. And so uh, she signed it. I said, are you sure? She signed it. That, that she was a junior. She was 16 at that time. Well, by the time she got to be a senior, right, she wanted to change her curfew hours. And so uh, we were sitting at the table having this conversation. My, my friends are staying out later and this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. And one of the terms of the contract was it was to stay the way it was for two years. It was a two-year contract. And then once she graduated from high school, then we renegotiate the contract. And so she um, she wanted to change the contract prior to the negotiation date. And I told her, I apologize for being so hard, but at this time we have a non-negotiable contract uh, that she signed. And we're going to stick with the terms of the contract until she graduates from high school, after which we'll sit down and we'll renegotiate it according to what we have experienced. But that made her mad. And she told me, um, you know, I made her sick and uh, da da da. And I thought I knew everything. And I just laughed at her face and showed her her signature. And that was the end of that conversation. But uh, I also told her that if I allowed you to change this contract, then you won't trust me anymore because you'll know or feel that whenever you came to me with something, I'm going to change it. And I don't want you to think that I'm that kind of a person. I want you to know that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It might not make you comfortable. It might not make me comfortable. Uh, it, it, it's harder on me than it is on you. You know, I always have to say that because, you know, grown folks, I didn't do that. It's just harder on me than it is on you. 
I know. I used to hate when my dad would tell me stuff like that. I'm doing this for you, not for me. I'm like, don't do it for me. Don't do it. But anyhow, I had that conversation. Um, I, I, I believe um, she didn't like it. I, I, I really wanted to change the contract to meet her little needs, give her an extra 15 minutes, but I wasn't going to give them on that. Uh, but no. <laughs> so we, we have to do that. Trust, consistency. Another thing we have to have for our kids is compassion. Um, you know, we can say all we want to about um, uh, they just kids and stuff. Um, but what our young people are experiencing in this culture right now is totally different from what we came up with, especially me, because I was raised before there was um, microwaves, just to let you know. And so we, we stop, stop laughing at me, Galen. And so we have to um, uh, be conscious about their culture and be compassionate. Another thing, we must be patient. We can't let them get under our skins or take what they do personally. They're going to challenge us um, and, and that's healthy. Uh, if they don't challenge us, there's something wrong and they're doing something behind your back, honey. Uh, the other thing is prayer. We got to pray for them. And then another thing, we got to just be very active in what we do. So trust, consistency, compassion, patience, prayer, and action. Those are the, if you do those five things, I think that'll make it, that, that goes across the board. I think that works with every generation. I think that works, uh, that'll these um, five or six things, six, the six I can't count, uh, will will uh, are will last until Jesus comes. Amen. I like that. But you know, I love consistency. Is like uh, the one that stands out to me the most. We I remember being in church. I was visiting the church one time, and the pastor said, "I believe all kids should have no days." And I'm like, what's a no day? And so he said, yeah, let me break it down for y'all. A no day is when everything they ask you, no matter what it is, you just tell them no. And it's good not to even announce it. And you know what? I found this to be very, very effective and helpful because they, they learn for one thing, you can't get everything you want in life. Right. Two, they learn, you can't get everything you want when you want it and how you want it. Like it doesn't work that way. When they, when they notice everything else around them is saying, do what you want, do what you feel. It's like, no, you can't. And, and you have to learn at a young age and it's good to learn at home. I always said it's good to learn at home than to better to learn on the streets. It's good to learn at home that you can't have what you want the way you want it and how you want it. And another thing, you know, it reminded me of when I was young coming up, Lynn told me this. She may not even remember this, but she taught me this because she, because she helped me a lot. <laughs> she helped me a lot, <laughs> not get into so much trouble, <laughs> but she said, let me just tell you, everything good to you is not good for you. Do you remember telling me that, Lynn? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <clears throat> I know I, I said that because I remember saying that, but I don't. <laughs> I, but yeah, thank you. But like it's so that. true, and it really helped me. Um, you know, I didn't like it at the time, but I knew what she said was right, and I took heed to it. Uh, and every every taking heed to that really it saved me from a lot of bad relationships and making wrong choices like just because it's good to you don't mean it's good for you you know like yeah. what's good to you is not going to last always but if it's good for you 
then that will last. You know, so a lot of things and a lot of ways that God does things and works things in our lives. Because I know a lot of people are like, they're tired of being at home. They're tired of being shut up. They're tired of this and tired of that, da, 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 da. You know what? But if we stop for a moment and just think of all the things that we are grateful for, just the fact that we are still here and we can still verbally say, I'm anything, then that is something that we can be grateful for. And I think one thing we have to do with our youth is teach them how to keep a grateful log. Keep, keep a, a physical log that says what you're grateful for every day. And don't let them get away with just saying the same old thing. I'm grateful for mom and daddy. I'm grateful for shoes. We make them think. We have to give them some critical thinking skills. Because, you know, when I was in school, they used to teach us how to have critical thinking skills. They ain't got time to be teaching that no more. But, and the other great thing is, I bet you, when the kids get back to school, however, whatever the form is going to look like, it's going to make a lot, a lot of our parents more grateful for having teachers for the fact that their kids are not home all day. They're not in the refrigerator all day long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I do also love the fact that we have parents now and families that are reaching out virtually and learning how to play games online with one another. I know a lot of grandparents are missing their grandbabies. <clears throat> and as Kathy Weaver says, my grand darlings. <laughs> uh, I love that. But, but you know, it's still a blessing that we can still see each other, even if it's not face-to-face, -to -face, touching, you know, skin-to-skin, hand-to-hand like that, but, but we still are blessed. So I know gratitude opens up a door for many, many great things to happen for us in our lives, kind of like the, the gifts that we have, you know? And, oh, this is a good segue. Thank God, it's so good, I'm telling you. So, so Lynn, in her book, she has a, um, a section on gifts and talents and how to help our kids you know how to notice them and how to discover them and how to build them and grow on them and all that good stuff well there you have it that's it for the day this is tracy williams with inspiring hope my special guest lynn miller catch us on part two so you can learn more about her book and discovering the gifts and talents in your kids to nurture them Welcome to Inspiring Hope, where you are encouraged to have only in positive expectations through self-care. I am your host, Tracy Williams, and we're going to get started right away today. My co-host today is Wanda Booth, super fun girl. Woo -woo! She's the author of Insight 2020, just came out this January of 2020, has a real big heart to see women succeed in business and tons and tons of experience. So if you want, check her out on facebook.com or get that book, Insight 2020, on amazon.com. She's also a wife and a mom. And we're going to get started. Let's go. Hey, Wanda. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Wanda. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Wanda. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Wanda. Hey, Trac